Welcome, everybody. Welcome to uh, our new show, Webheads. Uh, this is a comic book podcast hosted by me, DeMarco, and my brother, Steven. Hello. Uh, our plan is really just to get more people into comics, really just because they're great. Um, they have great stories, great characters, and now is a better time than ever just with the MCU being out. So we just really want to put people back into the, the true backstories and the the inspiration for a lot of these movies and just kind of introduce people to new and exciting characters that they may have not known of before due to the movies not having them. Um, there may be some things we missed along the way, but that's okay. We're just going to give you the rundown of the stories in our own words. And at the end of each episode, we'll rate the event and give you our suggestions on whether or not it's worth the read. And it's up to you guys if you want to read them or not. Uh, we'll also give you a list of all the issues that we read so you can follow along with us and read on your own time. And you can also give us your opinion as well, too. And because we are reading events only, there may be some time between some events like the Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War. And since we're not reading every book in between, we're going to be doing our best to give you the best rundown of everything leading up to those. And with that, I think we'll go ahead and start off with our first uh, crossover. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Let's get it started. All right. So, behold, bask in the great power of two of Marvel Comics' greatest characters, the Human Torch and Namor the Submariner. Created by Professor Phineas Horton, the Human Torch is an advanced android that looks and acts like us humans in every way. But the moment his body comes in contact with oxygen, it bursts into flames. Not understanding who or what he is, he vows to venture out into his own for the sake of humanity and become a hero. While the Human Torch vows to become the protector of man, Namor the Submariner vows to vows bring to its bring destruction. destruction. A royal member of the underwater city of Atlantis, Namor learns of past torture and destruction landwalkers have brought upon his people, and though he is half-human himself, Namor would like nothing more than wipe the white man from the face of the earth for his past crimes against the seas. While one vows to protect us, the other looks to wipe us from the face of the earth. It was only a matter of time between before these two forces became came face to face in the first epic battle. Okay, and now I'm just going to go down a quick list of bullet points from the lead up to the event. Um, I didn't want to give you guys a full detailed uh, synopsis of the rundown, just because uh, I think it would be good for everybody to, if you do choose to read it, it would be good for everybody to just kind of just read it through. But I wanted to give everybody my highlights from the Human Torch comics and the more the Submariner comics, because I felt like there are some pretty important points that I need to touch on here <laughs> before we get to the main story. So nobody is confused on the ridiculousness that is going to come from that. And I will get started. So first, right off the bat, uh, the Human Torch gets used for insurance fraud because <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't know how to control his flames. 
one of the gangsters in town decides to send him to one of his buildings because he knows it's going to get lit on fire. And what happens when he goes through those walls? He lights the whole building on fire. (laughs) And then somehow comes to realize that he was used for insurance fraud and then just goes back to the guy and just beats him. But they don't yeah. they don't go any further into whether that guy was able to claim the money on that or not. Uh, I guess I'll leave that up to your guys' interpretation. Uh, and I think we we should preface that uh, this is set in the nineteen what forties. Uh, yeah, this is uh, very early on in <laughs> Marvel comics history. Uh, almost at the beginning, nineteen. This whole series ran from nineteen thirty nine to. 19 late 1940 um yeah so if you've ever if you read current comics uh you know that some things can get kind of ridiculous and uh nuts but the amount of detail that they used to put into comics in the 1930s and the ridiculousness of it all is it's it's, it's up there they give you they'll have a whole They'll have a character speak a whole paragraph in <laughs> just one panel. Yeah, they give a lot of exposition, and uh, they'll be like, what are you doing? And they'll, they'll be I'm just trying to create the, the best <laughs> thing in the world, but I can't do that if you're talking to me while I'm also doing something under the table. You know, it's like they're just giving you, like, the full rundown. Yeah, it'll be like one person driving a car by himself. And saying, like, I'm so glad that I'm driving all the way from this street to this street. Yeah. <laughs> I can meet up with Officer uh, Johnson and tell him all of my stories that have happened in the past week. What Officer Johnson doesn't know is that I have a gun in my back seat that I'm going to use to rob him. It's like, yeah, they're just telling themselves that. Not really, like, it, yeah, it doesn't make sense within the context of the story, but... For the reader, it's to give you the <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, and I realize also that they don't use like thought bubbles like they do in like modern comics now. So it's like when people, yeah. it's, it's like I think they're doing that as like just everybody just speaks out loud instead of having internal monologues. <laughs> so after the insurance fraud, he gains control of his powers, but at that point, everybody in the city is completely afraid of him. This guy's just flying around town, burning everything. Uh, he eventually learns how to control the flames, and he learns that he can uh, throw fireballs. He has a a beautiful uh, yodel. <laughs> <laughs> he has a beautiful yodel that he uses to control fire. And um, I, there was one issue where he actually was talking to the fire after he had yodeled at it. And it kind of like <laughs> it kind of reacted as if like it was a pet dog, and so he talked to it, and then it just kind of like it stopped for a second, it raised up, and then like just went off. So I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure on his his full relationship with fire, but they have a it's a strange one, and and he can make fire split down the middle like Moses with water. Which was also kind of weird. I guess if you can control it, you might as well just do what you want with it. <laughs> Dude, there's no uh, set amount of rules for for him and his control over fire. There's no set amount of rules for anything that this man does. Uh, also, 
Also, I think we should uh, let the listeners know that this is not the same Human Torch that is in the Fantastic Four. This is a completely different character. Very uh, different. Created before the actual uh, Fantastic Four Human Torch. Uh, they look very similar in comic book form, but uh, I guess in <laughs> when the Android Human Torch isn't on fire, he does sort of have the same characteristics as Johnny Storm as well, too. They're almost identical um, in every way. <laughs> but one is a robot, the other is not a robot. Right now we're focusing on the robot. Alright, so the next point, um, the Human Torch is a man of many travels. He starts driving from New York to Texas one day. Uh, <laughs> he, he, this is a, a an android, a robot, who was created weeks before and all of a sudden has a driver's license. Or maybe he doesn't. Regardless of what he has, license-wise, he's still driving, I would say, halfway across the country from New York to Texas. <laughs> and and nobody, nobody, he didn't get stopped once. Uh, he didn't get pulled over. So I'm assuming that he's a good enough driver. When normal humans take sometimes months to learn how to drive. Well, he is a robot, so... Maybe it's programmed into him to know how to drive. That is, that is true. Our professor Horton didn't seem to really understand what he had created in the first place. <laughs> so I don't know if he threw the fact that he could flame on and, and drive in there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he figured it out. Uh, when he gets to Texas, uh, he ends up fighting Martians. I will not go any further into that story. Yeah, I feel <laughs> If you're not going to read any part of this lead up except for that, you need to find the one where he's talking to Martian or he fights Martians because they are there to completely take over the world and he saves us all. And I, I, I guess in the, in the grand scheme of things, the Human Torch is, he's a naive, yeah, he sort of acts like a kid, you know, like he was just kind of created. You know, very recently. But he also, for some reason, has this sense of duty and honor to protect everybody. Yeah, it just... <laughs> I mean, it is, again, this is the 1940s, so... He never has a, a real good amount of time where he's like, Hey, I'm just like, somebody created me. You guys are hating on me. You guys are trying to kill me, shoot at me. Like, I didn't ask to be here. But that that only lasts for like a little bit of time where he's just like, what you guys are doing to me is pretty messed up, and I think, like, I'm going to take it out on you. I'm, I'm going to take out my frustrations on you guys. But after that, he's just like, nah, I'm, <laughs> I'll protect you guys. I think something good is going on here. Uh, so after he fights the Martians, he goes back to New York City. I'm assuming he drives. Before he heads, he goes back to New York City because his friend, he has friends as well, sends him a telegram and says, hey, somebody's in New York City starting fires everywhere. And everybody in this city thinks that you're the cause of it. So if you get stopped <laughs> when you get back into New York City, do not tell anybody that you're the Human Torch. So when he gets out there, he, he uh, immediately gets pulled over. Driver, pull over now! He drove all the way to Texas and back, but for some reason he gets into New York City and immediately gets pulled over. Now for the listeners... Do people at this point know the Human Torch is around, or is it mainly just in New York? Like, well, well, now no. now Texas knows that the Human Torch is... They had seen news stories. They 
had known of the Human Torch from the news, making the trip to Texas. They obviously had seen him out there, so they're like, oh, I thought this was fake. He saved us. But nobody knows that the human version of him is the Human Torch. They've never, nobody's actually has seen his face at this point and, and connected the two. So when he gets back into New York City and gets pulled over, the cop doesn't know that that's a human torch. He just wants to know. He wants his license. He wants his registration. And then he gives it to him and tells him to get out. <laughs> I don't know if this is how the police work in 1940, but he asks for all that and then tells him to get out of the car. <laughs> and then while he's sitting there waiting for him to check everything, a fire starts right behind the cop. And it's a big ex- explosion. The cop turns around, tries to check it out. Oh, sorry. Let me take one step back. When the cop asked him for his name, he made up a name and said, my name is Jim Hammond. Because technically at that point, he didn't have an actual name. He just, it was just a human torch. So he told the cop his name was Jim Hammond. And then let me jump back to what I was saying. The explosion goes off. The cop turns around. When the cop turns around, Jim Hammond or the, the human torch flames on. And flies off. But then the cop turns back around. He's getting ready to tell him, hey, we got to get out of here. It's not safe. He doesn't see Jim Hammond anymore. He just sees the human torch flying off. So so the cop just thinks, oh, come on, man. This, the human torch just killed Jim Hammond. <laughs> he just automatically assumes that because this man isn't in front of him anymore. That the human torch just burned just him to ash. A, a and B together. Yeah. Uh, so now he he's the whole rest of that issue. He the cop chases him around the city, trying to stop him, try to kill him because he thinks he's a murderer, as any reasonable cop would do. Because he doesn't have anything else to do, and he obviously couldn't call it in to anybody else. The, and I don't know if anybody, if you or anybody else has noticed this from reading, but the Human Torch loves to call people a rat. You're a stinking rat. I hate rats like you. You rats are scum. And any way that you could think of a rat being an insult towards somebody, the human torch is throwing it out. That was programmed into him. Yeah. <laughs> Flaming on, driving a vehicle, and calling people rats were the first things <laughs> Professor Horton threw in there. And then uh, after all of the, the shooting that the cops have done towards the human torch, all of the hatred that they have thrown his way, he still decides that he wants to become a cop after all of that and passes the test the very next day after he decides that he wants to be a cop. In like a matter of probably two or three days, he decides, I want to be a cop. He passes his exams. And then the third day, he's on the streets. Yeah, professor. Uh, the professor was an expert in uh, programming driving. Uh becoming a cop super quick and when he was younger he was embarrassed by somebody and uh he didn't know how to respond to being embarrassed so later on that night he he thought about it and he was just oh i should call him a rat so then he plugged that into the robot and that's what he got (laughs) anytime you're insulted just call him a rat (laughs) yeah the professor just had one of those nights where he just he ran everything through his head that happened that day and was just like yeah oh man i should have said this (laughs) Oh, I should have called, called him a rat. Should have called him a rat. Oh, I missed my spot. Now, he, now he just has the human torch. Call anybody a rat just to uh, just to be safe. Yeah, he just <laughs> just throws it out there. Somebody cuts him off in traffic. Oh, you rat! 
This is probably why the cops didn't like him at first. He probably threw it out too much. And then, uh, so he becomes a cop. And then throughout all of that trouble that he goes through of becoming a cop, those whole, that long three days, he gets word that Namor, the Submariner, is on the other side of town, just wrecking havoc. He's beating people up. He's throwing stuff. He's killing people. So the Human Torch just says, no, your personal purge is over, buddy. I'm throwing on the flames. I'm coming to meet you. So that's where those those lead-up issues for the Human Torch, that ends. Because right after this, it goes straight into the main event. Now, I should preface um, before I get started on Namor's lead-up that some of what I'm going to say are not my words. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Some of what Namor feels uh, are probably not the same feelings that my brother here and I have. So, let me get started, because right off the bat, the very first issue, mind you, this is when they introduced this character to the world. In 1939, this is when they introduced this man to the world. This 19-year-old man. Yeah, he does not look 19. No, he doesn't. His hair is receding. He has a, a thin, narrow face. He looks old. He looks to be at least in his early to mid-30s. I, I Because I'm in my early 30s, I'm going to assume that you're saying that mid-30s is old, so I'm going to say he looks like he's in his mid-30s. For my sake. <laughs> I'm not saying he looks old. I'm just saying he looks like he's in his 30s. Well, you said that right after I said that he looked old. So. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, not my words, not my brother's words. Namor has a very strong hatred for the white man. Strong, strong hatred. Because of what they did to his parents in the past. And you don't learn this until later in the issue that he's half human. His mother's from the ocean. His father's from New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me how they hooked up. I don't want to get into that story. It's personal. But something happened. His dad ended up turning on his mom and causing so many of her people to die. And she's held on to it for 19 years. And now that her son is old enough to take it out on somebody, she goes straight to the king of their land and says, hey, my boy is ready. My boy is ready. Yeah, she's pretty much, she has a beef. And she's like, yeah, my son's going to inherit this beef as well. My son's strong. My son can fight. And I was going to get into this a little bit later. But this kid is trained in jujitsu. He's lived under the Southern Ocean for this whole 19 years and is trained in jujitsu. I don't know who went down there to uh, teach him this. I don't know who. <laughs> you didn't know that jujitsu was uh, born from under the sea? I, I didn't know that, but the, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> it makes more sense than anything I've thought of on how he learned it. <laughs> so I guess we'll just stick with that. He gets, the king says, Hey, your mother's right. We have a beef with these guys. Go up there, wreck havoc, tear that place down. He's like, I'm good with that. He gets up there, immediately goes through a window of a building. He he, t- he takes steel beams that are welded together and just rips them off. And then 
sees like two workers down on the floor. And they're like, hey, what the heck is that guy doing up there? In a Speedo. There's a guy in a Speedo in the rafters. <laughs> yeah, why did they think that was a good outfit in, in the 40s as a, as a superhero outfit? I have no idea. Just a Speedo. He's just in a Speedo. <laughs> He's not wearing any socks or nothing. No shoes, no shirt. So, of course, the guys that are working down at the bottom are like, I know that there's not supposed to be a man in a Speedo up in the rafters like that. So he takes the beam that he just ripped off and just throws it at them. (laughs) 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 He just takes it, chucks it. He kills those two guys. And then there's cops outside the building. They're like, what was that noise? What was that? He had flown out of the top of the building and then just landed right in front of the cops. And they start shooting at him. Because obviously they've never seen anybody fly around. I mean, they have because <laughs> the Human Torch has been doing it for weeks at this point. <laughs> and then we should also, for anybody who doesn't know who Neymar is or what he looks like, basically, yeah, to imagine a tall, you know, slender but muscular built guy. Sort of with a flat top, like, slick back, kind of receding hairline. He has what are important. I would just call elf ears. For some reason, he lives under the ocean, but he has wings on his ankle. Yeah. I... And he wears a green Speedo. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think so... <laughs> of somebody famous that I could compare him to looks-wise, but I don't think anybody yeah, does luck. him justice. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's his own person. He has little tiny wings on his ankle. Yeah. Not tattoos. They're not, not yeah, like, they're not, he didn't think, oh, that'd be a tight tattoo. That grew out of his ankle. And no one else in this, does anyone else in this species have wings on their ankle? Uh, I don't I think, think there so. There might be a few people. There probably that, is, but, but they, uh, they don't, he doesn't spend too much time down there in these issues. So I, I wouldn't know. But he doesn't, like, I don't know if there's multiple species in his uh, in his land, but the king looks nuts. Like he just looks like he's just a, a straight up sh- like sea creature. I don't know what he is, but he doesn't look like no more. Yeah, he does look like a he looks like a like a fish kind of, but not like a fish. Kinda, yeah. Like he has, it looks like he has like tentacles, like. Uh, coming out of his head. Yeah. Uh, but, like, he has, like, two arms and two legs. So it's, like, a, I, yeah, I don't know how to fully explain what he looks like. But we'll post a picture of it. We'll post a picture of him so you guys can figure. You guys can tell us what you think. Because I, I don't know. Maybe uh, from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Davy Jones. Yeah. He looks a little bit like Davy Jones, just kind of, like, goofier. Or maybe it is Davy Jones. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it is 1939. He could have been doing something different with his life at that point. All right. So, uh, oh, yeah. So, Namor jumps out of the building. He lands right in front of the cops. The cops are like, no, not another one. Not a, <laughs> a super-powered freak. Just jumped out of the building. No, we're not having two of these in New York City. And little do they know what is just going to keep coming out for the rest of their lives. <laughs> But they're like, no, not another superhero. You can't do this. This guy's a freak. Shoot him. So they're all shooting at him. The bullets are bouncing off. I guess that's uh, part of his DNA. It's not the human part of his DNA, obviously, where he can just... He's impervious to bullets. 
He's just not having it. He's, he's getting pissed off because the bullets are hitting him. So he decides to just pick up a car and just chuck it. Hits the cops. He kills all five of the cops. And then Very he, reasonable reaction. Yeah, of course. And then there's one cop, a lady cop, Officer Betty Dean, who he, he just leaves her alone. He says, I'm not going to hurt you. Just go away. Leave me alone. We'll be fine. She said no. She shot at him. And instead of killing her like he did the other cops, he's like, nah, I'm just going to kidnap her. <laughs> so he, he takes her underwater for a, a little bit, comes back up, and then he swims all the way out into the, the middle of the ocean. I'm assuming the Atlantic or but they never say where it is. But wherever he takes her, there's like some deserted island out there. <laughs> His response to being shot at by her was to just leave her on that island that he swam probably thousands of miles to. He just drops her off on the island. And she's like, hey, wait, no, like, you don't have to be like this. <laughs> you don't have to do me like this. You can be a good person. And then somehow that was convincing enough for him to be like, yeah, you're probably right. And he sees like two ships out in the ocean and they're like they're warring with each other. It's this is the middle of World War Two, pretty much. Nineteen thirty nine, nineteen forty. So there's a German ship out there with the Nazis on it, and there's another ship, and I guess he just decided that the Germans were the bad guys on his own, unless he has some kind of news channel down there where he was getting this information. Yeah. <laughs> So he hops on the German ship. He's dropping bodies left and right. He's killing people. There's not a single person. When he's done, there's not a single person left on that boat. And then he just takes off. He goes back. He starts swimming back to New York City. Oh, so he swims back to New York City, but doesn't take Betty with him. He just leaves her out on the island. And she's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) She's like, wait, what about me? And then he's like, (laughs) he's like, just wait for that ship over there to see you. I'm sure they'll bring you back. (laughs) not like oh I talked to them like they'll come they're gonna come get you it's just like uh, they'll probably see you and just leaves he goes right back he has no issue with leaving her there he also has no issue with killing the people he's already murdered at least a hundred people hell I mean the the introductory you know story of him he murders I think what at least three people cold blood yeah He's a, he's a murderer. He spent, and on top of that, he only spent, like, like altogether, he's maybe spent, like, half of an issue being like, hey, now I'm going to be good. I'm going to protect you guys like the Human Torch does. So when he gets back to New York City, he hops up on the land. He's like, hey, guys, I'm sorry about before, but I'm good now. I'm here to protect you guys. My father was one of you. Like, I'm going to do right by you guys. And they're like, no, no, you're not going to do that. You killed five cops and you killed like three other people in the warehouse. So, no, you're going to jail for murder. And then that same day, he's <laughs> or probably the next morning, he's convicted uh, or he's sent. He's convicted, sentenced and then put in jail all in a matter of two days. There's no there's no regular jurisdiction for uh, for superhumans or superheroes. Like, I, I understand that we all have like the right to, like, a quick and speedy trial, but that was, that's a little, like, you guys didn't even give him a chance. But at the same time, I'm sure he had to represent himself, so. (laughs) (laughs) He probably didn't do too well at that. Yeah, he's convicted, sentenced, uh, in a matter of days. 
and then they're just keeping him there. He's like, oh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to wait it out. I'm going to be cool. Like, them, like I'm never going to get, like, sentenced to death. Uh, like, everything's fine. And then I'm guessing because he doesn't have a lawyer, he never found out that he was being sentenced to death. <laughs> and then finally, like, a month or two into it, they're like, hey, it's time to go. And he tries to just fly out of the top of the building. He's like, no, you guys are going to kill me. Like, I I was here to, I came back to protect you guys. And now you guys are going to kill me. I like how me. he stays in jail for, like, that long. And then yeah. decides, I want to try to break out as you're trying to kill me. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you think they were keeping you in there for? <laughs> you think it was just, like, a, a one or two month stay. And then they're just going to be like, you served your time. <laughs> Like, he has a complete knowledge of almost everything else that's going on around him, but then gets arrested, and he's just like, we're good, even though I killed some of your people. And I guess when he hit, he tried to go through the roof, and obviously didn't, because he, oh, not obviously, he had been, they had been poisoning this man the whole time he was in jail, and he didn't know it. So when he tried to fly through the roof, he just hits the roof and falls back down. <laughs> so they're just like laughing at him. Ha ha ha. Uh, get your ass in the electric chair. He's like, wait, like, what are you talking? Like, what's happening to me? <laughs> I'm just, I, I ripped beams, metal, steel beams off of pieces they were welded to and threw it. And all of a sudden I can't go through this wall. And then they were like, oh, we've been poisoning you. <laughs> So uh, it's like now that we're all clear here, just get in the electric chair. We're gonna kill you. So he gets in. They put the bag over his head, and then they flip the switch. And like, I guess if it's a normal person, you would assume that that's just the end of it. But no, for some somehow this man that spent 19 years of his life underwater got his powers back by <laughs> being electrocuted. It's a it was a. That's what Iron Man in, in the Avengers was referencing when he got electrocuted by Thor. It was a callback to this issue. <laughs> it doesn't, like... like <laughs> if I throw my fish <laughs> into, like... I don't know. If my fish gets electrocuted, he doesn't just become stronger. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's gone. So he gets his strength back. He shoots through the roof. And he's like, I am going, I'm vowing right now to destroy New York City and all of the white men here. And this whole city will be mine when I'm done. And he, he flies off. He starts tearing stuff apart. He's breaking down the subways, uh, tears down the, the point, the highest point of uh, the Empire State Building and throws it down onto the street. <laughs> So who knows how many people he killed with that. And then he goes to uh, the Statue of Liberty. And you know how, like, in the handle, she's holding the, the flame? I guess Ooh. there's... I don't know if this is a comic book thing or if it's real, but apparently there's windows and stuff up there where you can go visit and look out. And he was just like, no, I, like, I don't care what you guys are doing. If you're sightseeing, he busts through the windows and he just starts chucking people out the windows. <laughs> like these are just regular people you're just throwing people out and then uh, somehow uh, Human Torch this is where they kind of collide uh, now on the other side of town Human Torch has just gotten word that Namor is 
uh, wrecking havoc. I, I don't know how after the week that Morris had Human Torch just, just now hearing about all this stuff. <laughs> but he hears on the other side of town that Namor is going crazy and killing people and leading right into the event. This is where the collision begins. This is where the craziest two and a half issue event that I'm sure we're going to read in a, in a while. These two are the strongest two beings that New York City or anywhere else has probably ever seen. And New York City doesn't know how to handle this at all. The The police chief is going to go crazy. We'll get right into it because this is going to be... We're jumping right into it. The officer Betty Dean, the, the woman who was stranded on an island out there, I guess, did get picked up by that ship. And brought back to New York City. So I'm, <laughs> I can only assume that if it was Nazis shooting at them, it had to be an American ship. I don't know too much about World War II, but I don't think that America and Germany were fighting in the middle of the Atlantic somewhere <laughs> <laughs> on a boat. Close enough to New York City. Yeah. But uh, she, she made it back somehow. Unless we have some really good allies who were just like, oh, we'll take her back. She, she gets, She's back in town. And she somehow gets a hold of Namor through all of this uh, killing that he's doing. And says, hey, the Human Torch is not coming to play with you. He's coming to put hands on you. And Namor just says, no, like, I don't care. Laughs it off, throws a couple more people out of the Empire State Building, and just flies off again. And then he sets, he goes, he sets a bomb under the Hudson, or over the Hudson Tunnel, floods the whole thing, killing who knows how many people. He's essentially a toddler. Yeah, he's a toddler throwing a temper tantrum just with, like, super strength and the ability to just kill whoever gets in his way. Uh, he jumps out of the water. He uh, flies up, rips a, a propeller off of a plane. He goes to the zoo, lets all the dangerous animals out, uh, gets jumped by a lion while he's out there doing that, uh, which doesn't end well for the lion because Namor just turns around and socks him in the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Does it casually, like somebody threw like a, a a piece of paper at the back of his head, just like turned around and like looked, just clocked him, and then just like went off again. And then after he beats up the lion, he flies over to the George Washington Bridge, and he just starts breaking that apart. Just like it, it's like it's built with Legos. He just he's like over there, just like knocking stuff down, just tipping it over. Like, there's still cards on this bridge. <laughs> when he vowed to kill all those people and take over, he wasn't playing around. So when he gets out there, he's doing that. He's knocking over the bridge, breaking it down. Finally, the Human Torch shows up after, like, hours. It's like, you guys can both fly. But for some reason, you let Namor just go nuts. And so <laughs> Namor's been flying at, everywhere around New York City, just wrecking stuff. And then... Human Torch doesn't catch him until hours later. I feel like Human Torch got stuck in like a, a subway tunnel. He just saw one rat go down there and he just he's like, you're a rat. No, wait, well, yeah, you're a rat too. And he's just down there for hours and days hey, just, damn calling rat. People, <laughs> just calling rats rats. <laughs> that's, that's like a glitch in the system that uh, <laughs> Professor Horton didn't like know what happened. Like, if he actually saw a rat, like, he wouldn't be able to stop until, like, it died. So, <laughs> so he's just, like, chasing rats through the subway system. So finally he catches them. They meet at the George Washington. Human Torch is just, like, he's throwing fireballs. He's, 
but he's missing. He's like a, a really bad teammate in dodgeball. Like he's just chucking fireballs. <laughs> or is he's more actually he's more like a, a stormtrooper. Like he's throwing all these shots. He can't hit a single thing. And every one that he misses, like Namor's like getting closer and closer. And then finally, this is 1939 comics, you guys. So don't come at me for this. But somehow he gets closer and closer. Namor gets closer and closer, and then ends up putting uh, Human Torch in a chokehold. He puts him in a chokehold. He's strangling him. Human Torch flames on, so it burns Namor. Namor runs back into the water. Human Torch flies right back to the police station and tells the chief, "Hey, he's a little bit stronger than I thought he was." <laughs> Like, you guys, like, I understand that he's a, a, a super, like, he has super strength, but you guys didn't, like, no one told me that he was, like, strong like this. <laughs> so, like, the police chief's looking at him, like, hey, if you can't handle it, just let me know. Like, we'll figure something out. <laughs> and he's like, no, I can do it. So, I, I, this is the first time that the human torch flies through the chief's wall. You know how, like, superheroes always kind of just fly through uh, walls and no one acknowledges it? Yeah. Like, this time, Human Torch flies through his wall, and the police chief is just like, hey, can you get somebody up here to fix this? (laughs) He's just like, oi, Faye, another wall. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like, if he doesn't realize that we have doors and, like, stairs but, like, this isn't right. Like, I need somebody up here to fix this, like, ASAP. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he, Human Torch, like, flew through the, through the wall, and then, like, Chief just kind of, like, looked at the hole, and then looked, looked at the door, and was just like, ugh. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> and he did that collar thing where he's, like, and then, <laughs> so when he flies through the wall, like, he doesn't go back. Like, like the cop, the, the police chief just, like, like, called him out. Like, dude, if you can't handle it, you can't handle it. Just say something. And he's like, no, I can do it. Don't worry about it. And, like, you would think that he would just go back out and try to find him. But, like, he was like, no, I got to, like, I got to fix all this stuff first. <laughs> like, I got to fix the subway station that he wrecked. I got to go pick up the highest point that he threw off of the uh, Empire State Building. I gotta go back to the zoo and put all these animals back in their cages. Like, out of all this stuff. Yeah, he's procrastinating. Yeah, just say you're you're not ready for this fight, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Like, people in this city already kind of don't it. like you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so no one's gonna think of you any differently if you just don't do it. So finally, after fixing everything... He goes back to the George Washington looking for Namor. And then Namor, the man who's lived underwater his whole life, has a submarine. He has his own submarine. You also mentioned earlier that he blew up the top of a tunnel with a bomb. Did he create that bomb or was that just something he found lying around? Or uh, I believe he found it lying around. Makes sense. I don't know where he found it, but he had that lying around somewhere. And was like, I gotta blow up this tunnel. I'm sick of this. So, of course, he has a submarine. And then he, when he's on his submarine, he has these air pressure tanks uh, that he, he uses on there. And he, he takes them off because he thinks, I can use these air pressure tanks to put out his flames. I'll, I'll trap him, control him. I've, he'll flame off. Everything will be fine. I'll beat him. Like, this whole story's over. 
I got him. I figured the whole thing out. So when he comes out for the fight, because he sees the human torch is up there floating around looking for him, he's like, all right, I'm coming out with these air pressure tanks. It's like, it's over for you, buddy. And then the human torch is... He sees him throwing fireballs at him again because you know he doesn't want to get close. Because he keeps missing with these damn fireballs, Namor just keeps flying closer and closer, like zigzagging through all of them. (laughs) And then he basically just gets like right in his face with this air pressure tank and then turns it on and flames him off. So now he's just this human (laughs) who is now again in like being strangled by Namor so he can't do anything <laughs> so Namor hits him with an uppercut when they're both still in the air just to kind of knock him out and then takes him straight underwater to a submarine and encloses him in this case down there where it's a glass coffin but it it doesn't cover his feet so he stands him up in like this glass case that goes all the way around his body but Namor's logic is I'm not going to cover the feet. I'm just going to stand it here so <laughs> no air gets in and he's fine. So while they're down there, Human Torch comes back to consciousness and tries punching his way out of the case. It's not happening. He's stuck in there. He's pissed off. And then Namor's trying to figure out how to get these air pressure tanks back onto a submarine because he wants to take him back to his land. And then while he's messing with it, it starts, like, letting out all these, like, bubbles. Some, of course, comic book logic, one of the bubbles encloses the glass case that Human Torch is in. (laughs) But also, comic book logic, Namor starts trying to punch the bubbles to pop them, and (laughs) the bubbles won't pop. He's punching these bubbles, and the Human Torch is just bouncing back and forth across the the submarine. (laughs) And then finally he punches it. The bubble shoots out through the door of the submarine and just floats to the water. And then <laughs> and then once it gets to the, the surface of the water, the bubble pops. So now he's able to get out of the case and he flies off. And you would think that he just kind of floats up in the air waiting for him to come back out. He goes right back to the police chief. <laughs> <laughs> he goes right back to the police chief that just said, hey, man, I don't think you can handle this. And the police chief sees him again, like, like, where is he? I asked you to bring this guy in. He's supposed to, he was supposed to be executed this morning. <laughs> and I need you to bring this guy in because things are really starting to look bad for us. So, of course, the Human Torch is still, now he's embarrassed because, oh, sorry, I forgot to say, Officer Betty Dean was in the office this time. So now he's getting called out in front of <laughs> Is one of his fellow officers, and she now she's looking at him like, hey, you can't handle this. This guy is my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks that Namor is her best friend, even though he dropped her off in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, didn't they only meet, like, once? They met one time, and she thinks because she convinced him one time to say, hey, I'm good, that she can just talk to him one day and be like, hey, you don't have to kill everybody here. <laughs> Everything is fine. Like, we're all good people. You're good. Just protect us. Everything will be a lot better for you. But the police chief is like, no, that's not going to work. Human Torch is like, uh, no, you're not going to outshine me. I'm going to find this guy. and I'm going to finally beat him. So luckily, uh, the police chief's uh, wall has not been fixed yet. <laughs> so Human Torch takes off again and then 
flies off because while they were talking, our buddy Namor, who has lived, like I said before, has lived under the ocean for 19 years. Our buddy Namor took over and hijacked a television station so he, so he could broadcast his message to New York. Basically just telling everybody, stop playing with me. Stop sending this fire boy at me or I'm going to whoop everybody in this city. Keep that fire boy away from me. And this is all happening while the Human Torch is in there trying to convince everybody that he can win. So Human Torch is like, he goes back through the, the hole in the wall to the television station trying to prove that he's not a chump. And then he gets there and, of course, what happens? They start fighting in the, in the TV station and it goes on for a minute. They fly through another wall and Namor figures, all right, I got this handled. I'm going to fly to this reservoir that I saw when I was flying over here. If I go into the water, he can't do anything to me. They get to the reservoir. Namor hops in. And then the human torch is like, nah, I got this. I'm going to prove to the police chief that I'm not a chump. I'm going to cover the whole top of the reservoir with flames. Nothing but flames. He can't get out. He'll burn himself to death. Namor didn't realize that the reservoir was chlorinated. And he's lived in the ocean his whole life so he can only handle salt water and i would assume probably fresh water too but he grew up in salt water so now he's in this this chlorinated water that's like 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 seizing his lungs so he can't breathe under there and he can't leave the water because it's covered with flames so he's down there passing out and then the human torch is like yeah i got him but i got i need one more i need to elbow drop this guy off the face of the earth. I need something that's going to just take him out. So what does he do? He calls in a police bomber plane. <laughs> because New York City just has bomber planes ready to go. And of course, that bomber plane is there almost immediately. He, makes sense, he, makes sense. Yeah, of course it does. So they, they're they flying over the reservoir. They drop that bomb, thinking it's just going to kill him. We finally got him. This is all done with. The bomb hits. And all it does is just blast Namor out of the water because he what, he hadn't fully passed out. <laughs> so it blasts him out of the water. And then, uh, of course, now he has fresh air. He can breathe again, but he's still kind of tired. So he, he gets out of the water. He lands and he's standing there. He's looking at the human torch like, OK, I'm going to finally wreck this guy and him for good because like he really almost just killed me in there. The human torch is looking down at him like, damn it, I thought I had him. So he throws down some flames and closes them in a circle of flames and it's like Namor's looking at it like how am I going to get out of this but he sees that bomber plane getting ready to fly back over so he's like ah, whatever if I get burned I get burned he jumps through the flames ends up burning his feet because they get caught in the flames as he's going up he goes up to the plane grabs the guy flying the plane throws him out and now Namor has the bomber plane on his hands he knows how to fly a plane. And he knows, of course he knows how to fly a plane. He had a submarine. Why wouldn't he know how to fly a plane? So he's now he's flying a plane over New York City with bombs on it. Um, so now Human Torch, I'm sure the police chief is back in his office like, I really should have ended this a long time ago. Now this maniac has a bomber plane flying over my city. And the Human Torch hasn't done a single thing about it. So now the Human Torch is chasing the plane around the city. He's finally able to connect with the fireball to knock down the plane. But it goes down over the ocean. So it's like, okay, whatever. Now you just knock me back into my element. 
I'm going to chill down here. You would think, again, that the human torch is just going to get lower down to the water, figure out what's going on down there, see if he can get to him somehow. But no, again, no, that's not how it works. He goes back to the police station for a third time where the police chief and Officer Betty's just sitting in the office and uh, the police chief's just like, come on again, you're back. You're here again. And Betty's just like, no, like if you guys would just let me talk to him, I can just stop all of this. Like this doesn't have to keep going. Just let me talk to him. Is she a detective or is she just a cop? No, she's just a regular cop. Does she got like other duties to do? Like I feel like she's, I feel like the chief didn't even invite her into the, into this case. No, she probably just walked. She probably just got back from that island. No, she at this at least at this point in uh, her career, she's just a regular officer. But she's like, yeah, I can handle this. Just let me talk to him. And then the police chief and human torture just like, no, nah, I think we can burn him. But they were just like, nah, let's just like throw sulfuric acid at him. It'll burn him. It'll kill him. That should be it. So the human torch flies out of the big hole in the wall again and then makes his way to the chem lab, the closest chem lab that he can find, I guess. And uh, for some reason, comic book logic again. Guess who's there? No more. I don't know what his plan was at the chem lab. Maybe he was going to steal a bomb or something or make a bomb. But no more is already there waiting for no reason. He's just there. Uh, the human torch just... He's pissed off. He's like, oh, there goes my plans. I'm going to look like an idiot again. So he just gets pissed off. He's throwing, uh, he's throwing buckets of sulfuric acid and no more. Just buckets of it. I guess they just had it laying around in, <laughs> in an easily accessible place for him to just throw buckets of it. But he's doing it. And then because he, he doesn't have the greatest aim, he's continuing to miss like he has this whole time. He's All these buckets are just missing. And Namor just keeps getting closer and closer with every miss. And then he ends up getting close enough to enclose him in, like, I guess it's kind of like a rubber case that seals off the oxygen. Because he gets him in the case, puts it on the floor, and then when the human torch is trying to punch through it, it just, like, molds around his hand and then just goes right back into place. And it doesn't make sense to me, but it worked. It keeps him from being able to flame on. He's stuck in there. And then uh, I think the, because the police chief was just fed up with the human torch, him and Officer Betty showed up because she had nothing else to do, obviously. And in what I think is, or what I hope is going to be the last uneventful, the last uneventful ending in an event that we have, uh, Betty just talks to more and is just like, hey, you don't have to do this. Just leave. Stop this fight. You can't win this fight because he's trapped in there. He's going to get out eventually. If you just leave, like, we won't chase you. Just let him out. And then he pauses for a second. Then just, like, looks around, pauses again. And he's like, okay, that's it. After all this fighting, Betty shows up and says, hey, you can't win this fight. He can't win this fight. If you please just leave us alone, we'll just call it even. You go back home. Human Torch doesn't chase you. This is it. And Namor just says, yeah, you're probably right. And calls it a day. That's that is the <laughs> that is the end of all of this. This man killed cops. <laughs> he killed uh, he he killed tons of people in that tunnel. He threw people out of the Statue of Liberty. He broke out of jail, tore buildings down, and then New York City was just like, "Please, just leave us alone. We're tired. I can't do this anymore." And, and they're just it. like, "Please, they're not. They're not. Like, get out. They're not." 
you know, anything. Just, please just leave us alone. Yeah. Can you imagine please if... Please just go somewhere else. <laughs> Can you imagine if anything else was happening in real life in New York City? Like, people were being murdered, like, nonstop like that, and then the city was just like, hey, please stop. <laughs> please give it a rest already. <laughs> we need you to stop. I can't even leave my house without being afraid. I need you guys to quit this stuff. And then that was yeah, that was it. Human they, He lets the human torch out. He goes about his way. And then that was the end of Marvel slash Timely's first crossover event. First ever event, really. Then uh, No More the Submariner versus the Human Torch. I know that I've obviously... I've, thrown some jokes and some spice onto some of this story uh, on my own, but I did find a, a quote while I was doing my research for all this and, and typing up my part, um, and it was a quote from Paul O'Connor from his article, Fire and Water, the Human Torch versus the Submariner on the website longboxgraveyard.com, and I just felt like this quote kind of showed the significance of this being the first event and how it inadvertently sets up Marvel and their events in the future. And he said, uh, bringing these two characters together and proving they lived in the same world where the consequences of each character's actions would reverberate through each other's stories. Heroes and anti-heroes, stories told in shades of gray, big events in real cities, with hapless human bystanders caught in the crossfire. That's Marvel's storytelling DNA right there. I don't think that there's a better way to really explain this crossover event, even though I didn't personally like the way it ended. I felt like they kind of rushed the ending there, um, but it still is cool to see uh, these two characters that up until this event rolled around had been living really their own lives, going through their own stories, and then all of a sudden they meet, and now you've created uh, basically this Marvel Universe that wasn't yeah. there before. Yeah, it really it sets the tone for the future and what's possible, you know? I'm pretty sure there was comic book crossovers before this, but it really... For the future, it, it showed that, like, you can have these characters come together to, you know, create, like, incredible stories, which is what we get. Like, it used to be every so often, but now we get events, like, more often. But there's still, it's still exciting to see your favorite character kind of cross over with another character, you know, and maybe duke it out or, you know, team up or whatever they're going to do. Yeah, because even later on, like, there's so many more characters to pull from that, like, I'm sure there's points where, like, People were in school where it's like, oh, my favorite's Captain America, or my favorite's uh, Human Torch, or mm. uh, Johnny Storm. Like, eventually, like, to see those characters meet and interact with each other is, like, what makes it great. Because now it's like, oh, your favorite and my favorite are either on the team or they're going up against each other. Who's going to win? Like, my guy's stronger, or my favorite character would never lose she can do this this and this like makes it so much more exciting all right so the next part in this podcast is uh the rating of the event we're going on a scale of one to five one being the lowest five the highest obviously one to five web heads what did you rate this event i am going to give it a i'm gonna give it a two two out of five now i 
the reason I'm giving it two out of five is because while I do appreciate it being the first big crossover for Marvel slash Titan Comics at the time, um, you know, these characters, I, and I, again, I also understand that it's from the early 1900s, but the characters were just so, it, it's corny in a way. It's corny in a good way, but it's, it's corny, you know, like, their, their reason for fighting was just because one was angry and the other one was, it's his job is to stop it, you know? And maybe I'm just used to comics now where there's more more issues going on. There's more, there's more. And then it's also another thing. There's not a lot of history between the two, you know? They just kind of mashed them together and said, there you go. If there is some history or if there is more, I guess, uh, some reason behind their motivations, it would have stuck with me more. I think the reason this sticks out more, it's more of a like a, a must read just due to it being the first, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think in these early events we're probably gonna get a lot of that where like um a lot of these characters don't have tons of history with each other in the first place. So like Yeah. Them going against each other, it's kinda like like, is this where you guys really wanted to start it, Start with, like, this long history that comes up later? Like, they were just fighting because one of them had to? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't, and I, I'm not trying to fault them too much for that because this is the beginnings of it. So, I can't fault them too much for not having history. Yeah, no, I was just going to, I was going to give mine. I am going to, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a three. Three webheads. Only because, like, it was fun. The, the lead up was fun because like the human torch is he's uh, he's at the racetrack like seeing all these cars blow up and trying to convince the whole city that that it wasn't him that was doing it like he fights off Martians he's driving like if you if you really pay attention to the detail of his story and Namor's story like sometimes it, it is too much like I don't understand even though it is old timey kind of stuff, nineteen thirty nine, nineteen forty, like ish, it it ended horribly. I felt like they could have gone into so like it could have been an easily like a five issue kind of yeah. thing. Or even I mean, with how much they described things maybe four, but they didn't even go a full three. It was literally like at the end of the the second issue, they were like, uh, "Write it and tell us how you think it's going to end." And then two pages into the third, they uh, they just kind of squashed it because because Betty said, yeah, "Just leave him alone," and then that was it. Yeah, so like the I don't know, maybe it's just because like they just the whole appeal of it was just the fact that two characters were going to like meet up and you know duke it out a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't I feel like they didn't they didn't put a whole lot of thought into you know how they're going like. The human tortures in a bubble that Namor is punching. Like, I don't know if that's just how comic books work because they were a little bit more sillier back then, but it's like, that doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> Especially when the bubble just pops once it got to the surface. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, um, no, there's just so many things that they, like, that shouldn't have happened. But like you said, it, it might have just been, like, the times. Like, things were just kind of sillier at that point. Because yeah. this was, like, I was saying before, like the middle of like World War Two, so maybe they're just trying to do anything to let kids kind of like Trust be distracted. Recording. True, true. But um, I yeah, I guess maybe in a, a 2021 sense, <laughs> through 21 eyes, like it's very uh, yeah, it's it didn't end the way it should have ended. Yeah, being almost what like 80, 82 years later. True. 
True. I guess it's just it's if it's a different story now that I uh, I just wasn't the biggest fan of how it ended. So we'll do one last uh, one last part to this one last segment. I guess you could say uh, we're gonna pick teams as we go along. One care one character, one main character from uh, the story that we're reading each episode. You get one pick per episode until we get to five, and then once five rolls around, you can pick a new person to add to your team, but then you have to take one off of your team, or you could just stick with the team that you have and just keep writing that through. Because I've talked a lot already. I'm going to let you make the first pick. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Officer Betty, just because uh, she is the resolver and probably the most level-headed person in this uh, <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, she fixed the whole thing just by saying, hey, chill out. Yeah, like, Namor is over here throwing people out of buildings and killing them. The Human Torch is <laughs> not knowing what he's doing or how to do anything. And Officer Betty's just like, you know what? You guys should just stop fighting. You guys aren't going to get anywhere, so just stop. That's not a bad choice. I'm going to go with the Submariner, Namor, because he's just, he's, he's angry, he's, uh, and he's, he's willing to kill when he needs to. Like, <laughs> like, he, he did everything in his power, which wasn't much still, to kill the Human Torch, and, uh, it, like, his mission was just never, like, I'm going to beat you, like, in, you're just, until you're laying on the ground, his thing was, like, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill everybody else around you. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't care how you guys feel about it. And that's, uh, I need that kind of, uh, I need that kind of dedication on my team <laughs> because I don't, I don't know what's coming up in this world. And, um, as of right now, he's, uh, the strongest person to be on my team. Later <laughs> on, I might need somebody like Betty who can kind of <laughs> chill things out for me. <laughs> Uh, but as of right now, I'm going to stick with my guy, Namor. And I think at this point, that is it. That's the first episode of uh, Webheads Down and Done. Nothing more to say on this one. If you guys can please join us next week for our second episode, where we jump from 1940 to 1946. We said all of that about how important this event was to Marvel going forward. And Marvel was like, I'm not doing this again for six years. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they made them, I'm not going to say more special back then, but they were like events back then. It's like, hey, you guys remember, you know, all those years we did this crossover and you missed out? Well, we got all these characters now. We have more characters about to meet. Yeah. And it's, yeah, like you said, that gave them uh, more opportunity to like, build up their characters' uh, backstories, stuff like that. It gave people an opportunity to, uh, like, grow and love some of these characters. And then that next event rolls around, and you're like, wait, all of these people are going to be on one team together? That's crazy. I'm going to have to buy them. At that point, you have to buy them. Yeah. Go <laughs> gather up your 35 cents and go get that comic. And next week, we have... The all-winner squad. All-winner squad. All-winners. Everybody here is a winner. <laughs> and I, I don't think people are going to even... After this story today, I don't think you guys are going to even believe 
who's on that team next week. All right, guys, so that is it. We will see you guys next week and the week after that and after that. And after that. And also, if you if you guys uh, read the books that we're talking about, let us know. You know, tell us what you think, who you would have on the team. You know, just follow along with us because we want to make this a, uh, you know, a communal thing. So if you guys want to be involved and tell us your opinions, what you liked, what you didn't like, let us know. Maybe we'll shout you out and read your uh, comments on the next episode. Thank you guys for listening to the first episode. We will catch you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.